0: Hi, this is Cameron.
1: And this is Jorge Luis.
0: Today, we're going to look at the first part of one of those amazing stories that we come across periodically in this ministry.
1: Thank you for listening, and let's hear this right now.
0: Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Hi, this is Cameron Graham-Vivanco.
1: And my name is Jorge Luis Rodriguez.
0: I'm the co-founder of Education Equals Hope and the director of the program here in Ecuador.
1: And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equals H down here in Ecuador as well.
0: Education Equals Hope exists to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations. And today, Jorgito, we have a story about one of those... Desperate and difficult situations.
1: One of those incredible stories. And the reason why we are going to tell you guys this story, it's because sometimes, and not all of the times, but many times in ministry, we're able to witness not just something that is fun, not just something that is important, something that goes beyond that, something that is so, so miraculous. I I think that
0: there are people who might take issue with the word miraculous but i don't have a better word for it than not not in this
1: context for this story it's like mainly and let me rephrase it this is those kind of stories that wherever you see it from the beginning during the process or at the end we could see god working there was no other way
0: and right and i'm i'm gonna use the word i for me it was it it was was miraculous it
1: was great and
0: it, it is, is continues us, so, to be. Yes,
1: and it's such a blessing for us to see it, but it's way more important for us to be able to share. And now we have a podcast. Now so we have we a can... podcast
0: and a platform. Yes. So, y'all, dear, dear listeners, I know that listening to this story, you're going to be like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? I was I, like that. I, when I told Jorge Luis <laughs> the story and brought him in on it, like... <laughs> Is this really happening? Is this really going down the <laughs> way that it is? And it is. So anyway, without further ado, so just know that we are um, standing in confusion or yes. standing in awe with you as we share what we have lived over yes. the last two months with one particular story. Yep. Um, so I'm going to start in the middle of the story because it makes it more entertaining. Yes, of course. <laughs> and then we'll back up <laughs> and it bring everything will make more sense. But so uh, the... Week of December 20th, so mm-hmm. right before Christmas, a classmate of my son Liam, a, one yeah. of his classmate's moms, who I'm friends with, sends me a text and then an email saying, hey, I have these people I want to connect you with. They mm-hmm. want to bring a short-term team to Ecuador. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> oh, short wow. short-term teams. I'm on that. Yeah, I'm your woman. I got that. Sure. When do you want to meet? They want to meet on December 23rd. <laughs> I'm like, wow. seriously? Like, is it that important? <laughs> <laughs> okay. My kids are out of school and we're trying to, you know, I've, yep, yep. I have scratched and clawed my way to the end of this, the, it wasn't even the semester, but yeah. the end uh, before Christmas break and was ready to take a deep breath. Um did I say crawl and scratch my way to the end of this yes. sub- school stuff? Just, yes. Okay, everyone listening, you can just say a prayer <laughs> for me about school stuff. Anyway, so, okay, so December 23rd, great, I'm great. online. Uh huh. I'm online with this woman named Monica from Florida, um, a friend of hers named Valeria, my friend Mary from here, and me and the four of us, and uh, because of COVID, I haven't seen Mary in a year, and... Um, don't really know what's going on, but Mary had gotten connected with these two and said, mm-hmm, "Hey, mm-hmm. you should get connected to Education Equals Hope," and so they're asking me about Equals H, and I'm kind of giving them the normal spiel and and this is how we do teams and we're pretty organized <laughs> and, and we have deadlines and deposits and things like that. Yeah. Well, then Monica starts talking about how um, she and her husband feel very called to come to Ecuador. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, "Okay, great, definitely have heard that before." Okay. The Lord has put Ecuador on your heart.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And then she explains who's going to be on the team. (laughs) Uh And the team is made up of her (laughs) five biological children and her three adopted children from Ukraine, Mm -hmm. all three uh, of whom were adopted out of orphanages and with some moderate to severe disabilities. Mm -hmm. So they have eight children yes and they feel like God is calling the the 10 of them because I'm good at math eight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kids two adults and this one other friend Valeria who happens to be Ecuadorian feels like God is calling them to Ecuador and I'm going really like right now wow they're like yeah. no we we're looking at tickets in January and
1: so not now but later <laughs>
0: like, like in a, later a month from now that. like you're gonna bring a family of 10. And a friend. And one of your kids is in a wheelchair – And you feel like this is the time and the place for you to come.
1: And and when you were talking to them, was there any moment where they were like insecure of coming down or trying to see what they could do? Or were they like absolutely sure of coming down?
0: I was trying to make them feel insecure. (laughs) Honestly, I was like, you know that we have all these COVID restrictions and you can't do this. You can't like no one can be together in the church. And I don't know how you could possibly help our ministry. I mean, I'm trying to say this in like really kind and yeah, gracious yeah, yeah, ways because yeah. explaining
1: them what the variance of. But
0: the reality right. of what the lockdown, because I mean, it's not lockdown lockdown anymore, yep. but it's still very very tightly controlled at the time. Absolutely. Um, we still still have driving restrictions, more restrictions uh, we had in December and January, and and just the limit of people to be together. And I'm thinking, okay, you. I mean, I have learned, I have learned that if God is telling you to do something, you better pay attention. Mm-hmm. And if God is telling them to do something, okay, they better pay attention, but I don't know that it involves me. God God hasn't told me this yet. <laughs> so blessings on you as you, as you try to sort this out. Well, um, in the middle of my conversation with them, uh, I have been texting with uh, the Reverend Lourdes at Cristo mm-hmm, Liberador, mm-hmm. which is one of our E equals H sites. And she and I had, and I'm, I'll tell you the backstory here in a second. And um, But a text from her comes across my screen, my WhatsApp on my computer, while I'm in the middle right, of this right conversation, there. just uh-huh. right there. And on a whim, I decide to ask these two ladies, if they know anything about this. So the text from Lord, this was: Do you know any churches in Canada that would accept refugees, or how to get refugees to Canada? Mm-hmm. Why was she asking that question? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stick a pin in that, <laughs> yeah. and we're gonna bring you up on the backstory. So, and uh, this is sensitive information, mm-hmm. so we are intentionally changing the names and the locations uh, of these people. Yes. So, the concept will be the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the end-all result will be the same, but to protect them, mm-hmm. and as you guys see that, this will make uh, so much more sense yes. in just a few okay. seconds, but just know that these are uh, are not real names and not real places. Mm-hmm. So, um Lourdes had called me in July and said, Cameron, we have a major situation. I need your help. Okay, I'm in. If it's Lourdes, I'm in. Like, I I know her, trust her. She runs an incredible program. She's an incredible community developer. What's going on? Well, here's what's going on. There was a family in the Middle East, a mom and dad and two kids, who held some sort of, of Viewpoint, yeah. and I have yet to understand if that was a political viewpoint or a religious viewpoint. They held some sort of belief that was uh, deemed to be in against the Islamic faith. Yeah, and there was a terrorist group um, in their home country in the Middle yeah. East that decided that because they held this belief, they were going to target them hmm. and started persecuting them. Um, the point that they're fearing fearing for their lives, fearing for for their children's lives. Um, They're a middle class. They have their own business. They've got resources. But all of a sudden, all of that disappears and vanishes. What resources they are able to to salvage, they put in the name of the husband. Uh And they uh, have family in Canada. And so they're trying to get to Canada to be with family and to be in a country where it's uh there's more freedom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and those of us uh, I speak for myself growing up in the United States like I I've heard these stories yeah but I've never lived these yeah. stories and Absolutely different. and it just yeah. really makes me appreciate um democracy. I know there's a huge divide in the United mm-hmm. States right now and and that is incredibly painful on all sides uh, but ultimately there is there is the freedom of democracy, which is an incredible gift that I take for granted every day. Yep. Anyway, so um, they arrange, they arrange for themselves to be trafficked. Like we have, they've yeah, got to yeah. flee the country and whoever they found said that they were going to go from Venezuela to Canada, boom. Well, they get trafficked as far as Venezuela and something happens.
1: So it, we're talking about the two parents, right? The two parents and the and two, two kids. kids. Mm-hmm. And at
0: that point, I'm thinking they're like, let me do some quick math. They're like, the kids are three and four mm-hmm. or maybe four and five. Four some and are, five, yes. Four and five, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And they get to Venezuela and something happens. And so then um, the Coyotes, that's what they're called, they trafficked them into Ecuador. How this yes. works, I have no idea. But anyway, they <sighs> got into Ecuador mm-hmm. and then the Coyotes disappeared with all of their documents, all of their real real identification and all of their fake identification and they just disappeared and all this fam this family is dropped in the middle of Ecuador and they're like okay w-. they don't speak the language they don't have any spanish <laughs> they don't have any way to make a livelihood they have no access to their funds uh-huh. because the family had said you have to leave your wife in order to get this money back and if you're still with your wife cuz the wife is the one We'll call her Natalia. Natalia is the problem, and so you have to leave her if you want any of your money. And the husband was like, I'm, I'm not going to leave my wife and my kids. Um, so they're they're here with no money, and they're making the best of it.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um,
0: they get connected to her church. Um, the husband decides to be baptized, gets really—had uh, um, had all sorts of dreams about— about Jesus and about faith and yeah, found this yeah. church and, um, he and his wife chose to be baptized here and things aren't great, but they're making it. Like he's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's a baker and a carpenter. He's doing odd jobs. It's a very, very hard life. Cause there also, there are people, um, in this, in Ecuador from the country where they're from, a very small population, but they were very fe- fearful of, of that, terrorism following them, that they would be ostracized by that community and then be in danger again here. And so they were keeping a super low profile and doing the best they could. Well, last February, about a year ago, um, the father all of a sudden drops dead of a heart attack, Mm -hmm. Um, leaving Natalia and her two children alone in Mm -hmm. a one-bedroom, and not just like it's an apartment with one-bedroom, it's like one-room place. Yes. With no money, no food, no job, no language, nothing—like yeah, a very, very challenging situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the the friends from the Middle East that they had made here was doing what he could to try to try to help them. He's caring for himself and his family. And two weeks later, the pandemic drops, <sighs> and they are locked in their house. Just done. Their house yeah. being that room. Um, so that that was February, March, yeah, and then Lord of this calls me in July. So March, April, May, June, very dark times. Lord of this goes to visit them in July, and she called me right after she visited them. She's like, Cameron, this is this is one of the most desperate situations I've ever seen. Wow! And for Lord of this to say that, it's yeah. like whoa, whoa, this is yeah. something. Um, that the husband's clothes are still hanging on a clothesline. Oh wow! And in the apartment. Just n- no way an ability to process yes, the grief. Yes, of course, of um, course. They have a bed and a mattress. Um, the mattress the the friend had eventually found um, for Natalia. They have a table. They have three suitcases. That is what is in this apartment. This dark, has one window, dank and and the husband had built the bed because there were so many spiders on the floor wow. that he was really worried about everyone being bitten by spiders. So he, he built this this bed for his wife. Um, but that's the situation that Lordless walks into. And she's like, Cameron, we've, we've got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we formed this little re- relief group um, and just to start working with them. Come to find out, these kids have never. Been enrolled in school. They've been in Ecuador for over three years at this right, point. Right. Have no education. They're eight and nine oh, wow. now. Um, they, have, they, they don't. They don't have a dresser. They don't have anywhere to put. They don't have a shelf. They don't have anywhere to put their clothes. Pretty or much, they
1: just have everything they have on them.
0: On them, and the clothes that they brought are still in suitcases. Mm-hmm. They've been. They've been literally living out of suitcases for three years. Um, so, Lord, this offers for them to come live at the church. Mm -hmm. The church has been closed, right? This is July 2020. Mm -hmm. So COVID, there are no services. And actually, that's still the case. Here we are in in February 2021. Um, So she offers... And and she had taken in other families periodically, as I've seen her in really desperate and difficult situations. Um, Natalia and her children agreed to come live in the church. And that was the start of maybe a new... A new life, a new situation. Again, she doesn't. She speaks maybe a hundred words of Spanish. Most of her of her communication is pointing yes. and drawing. <laughs> and a thumb over the shoulder means yesterday. And um, and but she uh, is incredible. She's like, I'm not. I have everything I need now that I'm at the church. I have everything I need. Like. That is yep. awesome, and yep. yes, you need to have a... She was a psychologist, that's right. She was a psychologist oh, wow. yeah. um, back in her home country, um, and so she knows the the power of the mental game and and is doing an incredible job of that, but she and her two children are living in a church Sunday school room, have access to the church kitchen. Some of our listeners have been mm-hmm. to Cristo Libreador. It's a, it's a fantastic kitchen. It's an Ecuadorian church kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um and I just say that because, <laughs> shout out to the Church of the Advent. That is one heck of an awesome church kitchen. <laughs> this is not that type of good church kitchen. Yeah. Um, so, and so we have um, had started education goals. have had helped Lord of Start a micro market um, out of literally out of the corner of the church. Uh-huh, they. Uh-huh blew out part of the wall, <laughs> put in a door, and boom, there's a micro market. And that's one of the ways that the church uh, creates funds yes. for the programs of the church. Mm-hmm. So Natalia started working in that environment and was able to have the dignity of a job, um, had a safe environment for her children, and was able to support this and all sorts of ministries, even just sitting with her and being with her while she's on Zoom calls in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Not in the middle of the night, like, you know, eight o'clock, but lonely. Yeah, yeah. Um so anyway, so that's Nat- that's Natalia's situation when uh as Lourdes has brought her to the church. Now, here's the hard truth, Jorge Luis. Yeah. We're at the end of this podcast episode. It's fun. So, so, if you want to hear the rest of the story of Natalia,
1: stay tuned. Stay
0: tuned. Because Cling
1: to this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe save this episode and binge hear it while yeah. you're washing dishes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that we can finish sharing the amazing things that God has done in Natalia's life, um, and that we get to just be a part of. So, thanks so much for being a part of what we do here in Ecuador. Thanks for supporting Education with Hope and being on this journey with us.